while they're on their way out, I'm just going to take a minute or two before we leap into today's message and uh, give you a, a quick overview about uh, where Lisa and I were this, this uh, last few days. We, we hopped on a plane early Monday morning and flew to Columbus, Ohio, and you cannot get there from here. But we made it with a couple of stops, with a stop in Chicago. The Foursquare Convention, the annual convention, was, was there. And um, um, I, I just have to tell you that uh, I really feel like, maybe you didn't know that we were part of a denomination, or maybe you already knew that, but let me just tell you that, that we're part of a denomination. It's called Foursquare. And um, there's lots of information about that. You can look on our website. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that right now. But I want to tell you that uh, the meetings were profound. There were meetings on... Uh, uh, Monday night, and then Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I mean, it was pretty constant all day long. We had a couple hours here and there where we could stretch our legs a little bit. But the uh, the, the remarkable things that occurred in one in the, one of the very first meetings was, imagine first off, you've got about 2,500 pastors in this place, pastors and missionaries mostly from all around the world. Um, and all of our churches together is a little over 8 million people. So leaders from... Um, all of those places are, you know, obviously there are a lot of pastors that weren't there. Um, but here we are in a meeting, and the Lord starts really working at a very personal level um, about repentance, about having right hearts as men, as m- women, as leaders in the body. And uh, I saw the Lord dealing with all kinds of things that you wouldn't expect out of a, out of a crowd of pastors necessarily. I saw things about repentance. Um, I saw issues of racial tension that were being addressed. I saw all kinds of loving things that were going on. Um, and um, so it was, a, it was a really tremendous at a personal level, at a leadership level, at a denominational, and, a, and at the level of the church, the big capital C body of Christ, really, really healthy. And I, I, I also saw moments where the, the leaders of the denomination were prophetically empowered the word, the word teaches us about the gifts of the Spirit and gifts of healing, gifts of faith to do miracles and so forth. And I believe that many people were prophetically empowered to cast out demons, to heal, see people healed, to be used by the Lord. So it was pretty powerful stuff that was going on. A lot of fresh and pointed words. Here's something, though, that I, I think I'm most excited about. Um, I saw repeatedly, time after time in those meetings, I saw the next generations of leaders in the body of Christ being prepared, equipped, blessed, and released. You cannot, you cannot overemphasize that too much. Um, if you have any concerns about the, the future of youth and the future of the church, who will lead it into the future, you can, I want you to know our denomination is really um, pointed itself that way, and a, a wonderful crop of leaders are coming. In fact, I mean, the, the teaching was pretty profound. I don't know about Lisa. I didn't ask her which message she liked the best, but my absolute favorite message was uh, taught by uh, uh, a guy who planted a church in Portland a year and a half ago. And um, I don't know how old he is. I'd put him in his early 30s, but um, someday I hope I can preach like that guy. I mean, he was terrific. Young, a young, anointed, gifted future leader there. And uh, one last thing, and then I'm going to get on to the Word of God um, for us. The financial footing of our denomination is sound. You know, um, our nation has been in trouble financially. Have you noticed that? Anybody notice that? We've had some uh, things. And uh, when, when the economy of a nation... Touches its people. Well, it touches the churches as well. And uh, to be sure, if a denomination has thousands of churches, there will be a handful of churches that are struggling. They maybe they got into a building program at just the wrong moment, or for whatever reasons. Uh, but in spite of that, 
Our denomination is strong. Um, the operations part of the denomination, the headquarters, which you probably never hear about, has become extremely efficient. Uh, they're operating now. The costs of operating the denomination are about, I'd roughly say, two-thirds of what they were a couple of years ago. And that's intentional. It's been painful, but intentional. And the result will be a larger percentage of dollars and a larger quantity of dollars that are being shoveled into ministry. So I just want you to know that Lisa and I were extremely grateful that we could be with um, all of our colleagues at the convention. We were personally stretched. I mean, my spiritual bones were being stretched. I'm sure hers were too. And uh, so it was really, really helpful. Also, we made some terrific leadership contacts, and uh, I can go on about that. So I'm just going to kind of move on from here and uh, keep going. You know me, I like to, to at least toss out a proverb at the beginning of the message. Today's the fifth, so Proverbs 5, 1 and 2. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Open your ears to my understanding so that you may act with foresight and speak with insight. I have to tell you, um, you know, uh, without, I don't want to preach that, that passage, but I'm going to tell you, as, as I've enjoyed our time in Proverbs, most of the book of Proverbs was written by a father talking to his son. Raising children, if you care about that topic. And we've got lots of kids here if you care about that topic. And something is stirring in my soul about future um, series about teaching and parenting and leadership. In, par- in part, and I'll come to this a little bit later when we talk about Absalom, um, this, w- this was a-, a man who watched some really messed up family stuff going on. <laughs> so there's some great stuff there in Proverbs 5. Okay, today's text is going to be in Matthew 26. We're in our series about forgotten moral strength. We've talked about honor and gratitude. We've, we've, we've discovered that, that uh, respect is earned, but honor is given. And the Word of God even tells us that we're to outdo one another, showing each other honor in Romans 12. We've figured out that entitlement is the opposite of gratitude, a sense that I want it now and I deserve it now. Um, that's the opposite. And we're, we've decided as a group we're going to cultivate an attitude of gratitude and, and we're going to, be, going to do that by turning our blessings back into praise. Remember we talked about it, when you fail to turn God's blessings back into praise, it becomes pride and that's problematic for us. So today we're going to talk about another, uh, another one on the list and that's loyalty. Everybody say loyalty. loyalty. Way to go, okay. How many of you, just a... Just, I'm just curious, how many of you would say that in America, disloyalty is a little bit of a cultural problem? I want to see hands. Come on, how many of you? <laughs> okay, okay, good. You feel like you just walked into a trap. You might have, you might not, so I'm not going to, I would never trap you. How many of you would actually say, though, but I'm a pretty loyal person? Pretty, pretty much, I'm a loyal. Is that it? Okay, all right. So we all, you know, looking around, you could say, we all pretty much say loyalty is a problem in America, but, but I'm not it, right? That is what you just, <laughs> amen, that is what you just said. And, um, you know, so I feel bad for all the other churches in America because obviously we're the loyal group that they're really in trouble out there. One of the issues about disloyalty is that it's really, really hard to see when you look in the mirror. I'm not telling you you're disloyal, by the way. I'm just talking about the mirror, okay? It's, it's a pretty hard thing to see. I think about, um, I was, you know, joking around with some of the leaders this morning before church, and I was kind of carving into the mariners a little bit. Um, kinda, you know, it's, I know, although none of you ever complain about the mariners, but um, I was thinking back in the heydays when Junior was, you know, 
he was just the team was winning, and they were all those pictures of the guys squashing each other in the big mound because they scored. And you know, remember those? Remember the heyday of the Mariners? You do remember that, okay? So, and I was thinking about that when Junior decided to leave town. I was just like frustrated. I'm not surprised because I realize baseball is business. It's it's about dollars and cents, and 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 it's about a game, and it's about a sport, and it's all of those kinds of things. But I was really disappointed. I thought, you know what? We've had him from the beginning. He should serve out his career here. You know, he should do that. And then he left, and he had left. He left to be closer to his family in in Florida or something, and ended up playing in Cincinnati. How's that close? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get all that, but I really felt violated. I felt loyalty. I felt my loyalty had kind of somehow been abused or something. I mean, I just wasn't happy with what was going on there. A Rod is another example. <laughs> you know, A Rod. And where did he go? The Yankees. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know. Saying the Yankees from a pulpit is kind of like cussing. You'd rather have me drop an F bomb up here than say the word the Yankees. I won't do either, I suppose. Um, but, but come on, A Rod. These guys had been part of this nucleus. I just really felt loyalty was really stretched there. Something happened. Then Junior comes back. He comes back to town. I was pretty excited about that. But my thinking had changed. I'm starting to think now, okay, great having you back. It's good having you home. But what are you going to do for us if you come here? Don't you just love it, guys, when everything works together? You know, the scripture says, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Don't you love it when things work right? We, were, we live in a neighborhood that uh, we can leave our house and walk around and go for a walk. It's about two miles if we, and we end up where we started. And so we walk occasionally, and Lisa and I were walking one afternoon. Hadn't gotten very far from our house, and we're walking holding hands or something. I'm sure it was really romantic. And um, we could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we could see um, around the corner, I could see this dog was coming towards us. And um, uh, it was, I, I think it was a Rottweiler. It was a mean looking dog and it was snarling and it was kind of coming, you know. And I, there's something in me that just will not succumb to that. I mean, it's not that I'm some manner of great Tarzan man or anything, but I just don't, I'm not afraid of dogs. I figure if a dog... It's going to attack me or one of my loved ones. You know, I might lose a hand or something, but it's not unto death for me. For me, you know. Okay, if you get that. So, so we're going for a walk, and this dog's coming, and he's making a beeline. He's coming. He's got the eye contact. He's snarling. And I, I, le- I re- reach down on the ground. There's a little rock about the size of a golf ball. dog's probably now 150, maybe 200 feet away. And I just let that thing go. God works, all things work together. And that, that, I'm not, so help me, that rock hit the dog right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> it could never happen again in a million years. <clears throat> Which is why I should be pitching for the Mariners. But anyway, so, so it hit that dog right there. Now, I was as stunned as the dog, but the dog was stunned. It stopped in its tracks and we stopped in our tra- tracks, and I, I took a step towards that dog like this, and I looked him in the eye. And you know, you make eye contact with a dog, and he was feeling something he didn't understand. He turned and walked away with his tail between his legs. And sometimes things work together for good for loyalty. And my loyalty to protect my wife worked out really great there. And it was like I was thinking, yes, God. That was so good. The truth is, though, 
I had already planned that out. I had already planned to be loyal to my wife if a dog would ever attack us on a walk. It's pretty simple to stay, to decide to do something like that, I suppose. I mean, I give you the example of my success. I'm certainly not giving you the examples of my failure there. And I suppose you could also say, well, Terry, you own poodles. Big deal being loyal to protect your dog. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you that all... I, you know, I'd love to sit here and tell you all day long that I'm always loyal. If, if a pinch comes, I'll be the loyal guy. And I, th- I think most of us are loyal a lot. But in a pinch, the one that you can depend upon me being loyal to is myself. I mean, that's really the truth. Disloyalty is, is a significant issue in our society, and it's kind of hard to see when you look in the mirror. Um, one guy, one biblical example of a guy who would claim loyalty to our Lord Jesus was Peter. And, you know, Peter gets us off the hook with so many things. I mean, things that we would feel really bad about. So Peter is always fun. You know, he, always, he was the one that always to say to Jesus, hey, I've got your back. When it comes to push, comes to shove, you can count on me. Even if all these other losers leave you in the dust, you can count on me. Okay? So Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter replied, so here's the story. He says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Red letters, Jesus talking. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. If you know the rest of that story, you know, you, you know the rest of that story. It happens. Little girls come up to Peter. Not even a Rottweiler. Little girls come up to Peter and say, hey, weren't you with that Jesus guy? Jesus? Jesus who? You know, I mean, it's like, happens three times. He, he had intended to remain loyal, but in spite of his best intentions, it just didn't work out. You can read between the lines there. It just, you know, had to be heartbreaking for Peter. And the Bible says, by the way, that he went out and wept bitterly. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. You know, I've, I've all asked you the question, are you a loyal person? And you've said, yeah, basically I'm loyal. It's a problem out there. It's not me. But it's proven. It's not proclaimed. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one that is really reliable? If you have a friend that is really reliable, do this. Bear hug them by the leg. Hold on to that friend or friends. You know, as followers... Of the Lord, it's really important that we do more than just talk about our relationship with Jesus. We also need to walk it out because it's proven and not proclaimed. One of the best examples in sports history, um, you know, a little bit about, I've been on baseball examples recently, but one of the best examples was a guy named Pee Wee Reese. Um, he played baseball a long time ago. Some of you know that name, many of you will not, but he played baseball on a team called the Brooklyn Dodgers, the other New York team. Um, I'm kind of a Dodger fan. I grew up in Spokane, and Spokane's baseball team was a farm club of the Spokane, or the, 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 the L.A. Dodgers. Before that, they were in, in Brooklyn, and Pee Wee Reese played, and back in 1947, they had a guy join their team named Jackie Robinson, and it was very controversial. Jackie Robinson was re- the first, uh, well, you had never seen a man of color, a black man, an African-American in the major leagues playing baseball. It was completely unheard of. 
And so, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of people against him, including some of his own teammates. People said things. They were, he, had, he got death threats. So they get to Cincinnati. They're playing in Cincinnati. And uh, Jackie Robinson's playing second base. Pee Wee Reese is shortstop. And, uh, and the game's starting up, and the fans are going nuts. They're booing him. They're shouting spiteful things at him from the stands. They're throwing things on the field. Pee Wee Reese, his friend, had heard just about enough of this. He threw his mitt on the ground. He walks over to second base to his friend Jackie Robinson. Listening to all this going on, the cat calls, the things flying out of the stands. And he stands there next to his friend, looks up at the crowd for a moment and puts his arm around him and stares him down. The stadium goes silent. Jackie Robinson later said, (laughs) that loving act of loyalty did more than save his baseball career. It probably saved his life, probably in more ways than you and I would know. It was, um, it was, I mean, I, I get moved when I think about that moment. It was, in fact, such a special moment. They built a huge bronze statue of Pee Wee Reese with uh, Jackie Robinson. Looks pretty serene there in the parking lot with the apartments nearby, but with people throwing beer bottles out of the stands. This was an act of loyalty. It could have come at great cost, and cost to him. It's proven, not just proclaimed. I've got another favorite Bible story, and this was one that, uh, that, that has been stirring something that I think is one of our future ser- sermon series. It's going to be about parenting and leadership. But King David had a son named Absalom, and uh, it was pretty dysfunctional. The family was pretty dysfunctional. And he, now this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but Absalom, there was, um, there was another brother who got involved with one of his half-sisters and uh, fell in love with her, couldn't have her, raped her. But things like that went on. Absalom didn't like that going on, obviously. His father didn't do anything about it, who happened to be King David. All this stuff's going on. Absalom takes things into his own hands, kills this brother. It's trouble. Dad still does nothing about it, but Absalom takes off, leaves the country, he's gone for a couple years. Here's the rabbit trail commentary. One of the other brothers is the guy you and I know as King Solomon. The wisest man ever. Much of the book of Proverbs is advice from a father to a son. It's parenting training. It's wisdom. Solomon was watching this whole episode going on. And that man is the one who later birthed so many of the Proverbs. There's, there's gonna, we're going to have some fun when we get into parenting, when we, when we view that whole thing from the perspective of King Solomon. Anyway, so Absalom takes off. He's gone, even though his father, David, had been relatively faithful to him. He stays away for years. He comes back. Now he's chasing his father, and David has to leave town. So there's this big family split going on. The king is being overthrown by his son, Absalom. It's trouble. David is running for, to save his life, and he finds a guy named Ittai. 
Now, Ittai was basically a mercenary. He, was, he, was, he, had a, he had a band of soldiers with him, about 600 guys, and um, he didn't have any skin in the game. He, there was, this was not his issue, but, he, but anyway, King David runs into him, and Ittai says, hey, I'm going to help you out here, 2 Samuel 15. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, name's funny. That's, I, I should study that name sometime. Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came here only yesterday, and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I'm going? Go back and take your, take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be upon you. Okay, King David is now given Ittite the Gittite, a free pass. Get out of jail. Hey, this is not your fight. You don't need to hang. This is, you, 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 you're excused. Get out of jail, free card, free pass. But Ittai replied to the king, now, now watch the loyalty go to work here. As surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will, there will your servant be. Not only did he proclaim to King David his loyalty, but he stuck by him. In fact, he and his 600 men fought so fiercely that later, David so trusted and honored that loyalty that, that Ittite, the Gittite, ended up being placed by David in charge of about, about a third of David's army. He was promoted and trusted. David said to Ittite, go ahead and march on. So Ittai the Gittite, marched on with all his men and families that were with him. No matter what it cost me, no matter what the... What the my life... I'm not loyal just up to a point. I'm not conditionally a loyalty. My loyalty is with you and with you forever. I want to talk about some common ways today that uh, loyalty becomes a forgotten virtue in our lives. There's, I'm just going to give you three. There's lots, but I'm going to give you three of them. First off, first one I'm going to give you is an example is disloyalty to your spouse. Malachi 2.15 and 16 says this, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you're his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. You know, you've heard the old joke when you, you, know, you can trade in a 50 for two 25s. No, that's, that's, I don't have a word that I can say here about that. That's not good. Yeah, it's disgusting. Thank you. I appreciate that. no. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. People always, don't always care about that today, the fact that God hates divorce. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Disloyalty to your spouse is uh, one of the three, three ways I want to talk about. And, and, and that comes in several forms. You know, it comes in subtle ways and it comes in global thermonuclear ways. Um, so the global, these massive ways that we see this is, is many people have an affair. Now, I didn't want to stand up here and say to you that 40 to 60% of you, if you follow today's statistics, that 40 to 60% of you will have an affair with your wife or your husband. Um, instead, so instead, because I don't want to say that to you. What I'll say to you is, is that if things don't change, 40 to 60% of the kids that are in the nursery today have an affair on their spouse. 40 to 60% of the kids that are over, and I, I'm mind-boggled by the fact that that is, that the statistics in the church aren't any different than they are in the world. They're not significantly different. It's heartbreaking. Not because we need to have better stats, but because we serve a grand God. 
Because we serve a God who doesn't want you to walk into places that you will not be satisfied. Does not want you to go to places that will lead to your brokenheartedness, to destruction. Okay, so that's one way. Another one is, is divorce, which we just read about. You know, the contemporary view today is that divorce is not disloyal because, after all, I've got to take care of me. And so people just decide to walk away and forget their covenant with God. You know, disloyalty starts way before you see someone who catches your eyes. It starts way before then. It's just, just like loyalty happens way before the vows at the altar. Way before. Just like, you know, loyalty started way before the dog started scowling at me. I had already decided. Today's decisions for loyalty are the seeds of tomorrow's love. I'm going to let that one marinate for just a moment. Today's decisions for loyalty are seeds that tomorrow's love will be the fruit. There are some subtle ways to be disloyal to your spouse. Um, you know, I, I see this sometimes. It, it's public comments or non-private comments that are made about a spouse that are masked in humor. Oh, but I was just joking. You know, it, nobody's fooled by that. <laughs> nobody's fooled. And, you know, and mostly what happens is that the spouse then resorts to counter shots. The humorous kinds of things, they really, really don't work. Or carving into a husband in front of the kids, you know, carving into respectful and honor. Or, or here's another way. You look lustfully at somebody, you know, you're, you're sitting at the restaurant with your spouse and somebody goes by and it's like, wow, and you do a double take and then a triple take and then you watch all the way. I mean, none of you know, I have any idea what I'm talking about, so I'm just going to move on on that one. <laughs> another way would be to dress. I don't see this here, but to dress lustfully. I mean, when I see a couple and, uh, and I see more often the woman um, dressed in a way that absolutely is trying to garner the attention of every man around her. I'm thinking, okay, that's, I don't know what to think about that. I can't, I can't wrap my mind completely around that because I want my wife to only want to do that with me. She does, thankfully. What a sweetheart. Ultimately, Disloyalty to your spouse is when you put anything ahead of your family and the ones you're supposed to love. Okay, so let's, let's move on. So, uh, okay, uh, spouse. Number two, disloyalty to your friends. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend is always loyal and a, bro- and a brother is born in to, to help in time of need. Born to help in time of need. So here's how people are disloyal to their friends. One is gossip. You know, can you believe the way they spend their money? <laughs> Can you believe how they let their kids, can you, can, you know, gossip. I don't need to go on to that. Or another way that you can be disloyal to friends is you just listen to the gossip. You hear somebody say something about your friends and you don't say, and you fail to say, hey, hold up, hold up a minute. You're talking about my friend. You need to know that everything you say about them, I'm going to repeat to them. I've said that before. That stops gossip. It does. Hold up. You just need to know. I love this guy. Everything you tell me, I'm going right there with it. Well, they dot, 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 okay. Well, if they did the dot, 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 come on. I'm sure that wasn't their heart. Let's go together. You can tell that person you're hurt and your offense. That's the right and righteous thing to do. Okay. Another way that we're disloyal is to not love them enough to tell them the truth. I had, a, I had some friends in high school and uh, um, BC days, that before Christ days, okay? 
right? You know what I meant by that. Now, the story I'm going to tell you doesn't justify what I was doing. And I'm not going to go into all kinds of gory detail. But, but in high school, I started doing activities that were not healthy for me. And I remember one um, close friend who, um, it, it was a girl, we weren't, she wasn't my girlfriend, um, but she cared about me. And I remember one day she pulled me aside and she said, you know what, you need to stop this. And I gave her all the, well, no, 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 you know, all the kids are doing it, it's cool, it's fun. No, 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 no. You're changing, Terry. This isn't the Terry we know and we love. You need to stop this. Um, anyway, okay, that's failing to do that. You know, failing to say, hey, I'm your friend and I'm not going to let you do this because it's self-destructive and it's harmful. We're gonna, just going to stop that in the bud. Um, okay. Another way that you can be disloyal to your friends, now this one is the one that probably bothers me the most, and that's when, when you have, when you've chafed up against a friend somehow, and maybe you've wounded them or they've wounded you, instead of going and saying, you know what, I bet you didn't mean this, but you broke my heart. Instead, the disloyal thing is you just, I'm out of here. You just, you just get up and you walk away from the friendship. Because what's hot today is to walk away. Um, okay, move on. So spouse, friends, number three, become disloyal to Christ's church. And you can spell that two ways, with a capital C and a small c. Capital C is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Small c is the local church. And um, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. But, you know, new t- the New Testament Christians were pretty fanatic about the church. I mean, they were pretty fanatic uh, today, we've got a little more limitations on our time for the church, and a lot of us want to be friends with Jesus. We just don't want to become weird, right? We don't want to become too too invested in it because we, we just it's a little bit too weird. Okay, so Acts 2, 42 to 47, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They did life together. I mean, I mean, I'm not suggesting the commune lifestyle for us. I don't think that's, you know, the, the Lord's plan for us for today. But they got to know each other. And when they saw something painted in the eyes of a friend, they knew that they were off a half step. They knew that something heavier than normal was on their shoulders. They would then care enough to say, hey, what's going on? Can, can I help you with that? Let me pray with you. Can I take some weight up off, off of your shoulders? Can I bring you a meal? Can I whatever? They would do those kinds of things. They saw a need and they filled it. So here's some quick examples of disloyalty to the church. One is to attend the church sporadically. Now, I'm obviously not talking to you. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. Um, but, but you know that the average Christian in America goes to church probably about once a month? It, it costs the church something when we don't have all of the gifts present. But it costs them so much more. You know, the word tells us not to forsake the gathering, such as the practice of some. And that's not just because the church needs to have stats. It's because of what happens for you when you're with the body of Christ that won't happen 
on the internet or on the TV or on the radio. Those things are good, mind you. I listen to messages. I, I listen to those kinds of things. I watch those things. They're a lot. But it's this moment that I look forward to. It's with you that I want to be because of what happens in me. It's really selfish of me to want to be with you like this. <laughs> Man, this room is quieter than normal. I wish you would start throwing things at me, please, because you make... Okay. Um, another, another way to be disloyal to the church is, is you can work hard and you can develop yourself a shopper's mindset. Okay, here's how you do that. You find a certain church that's got a really terrific youth program so you take your kids there, by the way, where we will have a terrific youth program here. I'm still searching, um, by the way. I mentioned some time back that I was looking for a youth pastor. You all know this, right? You knew this. Okay, so we're working on that, praying through it, and we're, we're talking to some really quality people. I have no news to share with you. But anyway, that was a rabbit trail. So one of the ways is you, this youth program over here, or um, we like this particular preacher over here, or like this um, worship. Yes, thank you very much. Or we shop around... You know, it's kind of like our family does something called you pick. We can't decide what we're going to do for dinner. We used to do this when the kids were little. We'd give them each a $5 bill, and we'd head over to Top Foods and say, pick whatever you want, that's going to be dinner, and it's communal. So usually for dinner when we did that, we had potato chips, Fruit Loops, and ice cream. (laughs) But the kids liked it. I liked it too. That's fine for a play day with your kids. It's not so good spiritually. Okay. Um, another one is to develop a consumer mindset. You don't give. You don't get involved. You don't serve because it's about what they give you at the church. That's a consumer mindset. Another one is to develop an entitlement, entitlement mindset where you say, well, you know, it did, didn't feel good to me and somebody didn't smile at me and I didn't like the preacher's shirt and they took away a program I had. That's, a, that's an entitlement mindset. That's another way to be disloyal to the church. Loyalty to the church is an investment into Christ's bride, not a harvesting of personal benefit. Okay, so those were some examples of um, how disloyalty happens to us. It's hard to see in the mirror, and um, so I've tried to kind of wipe the mirror off a little bit because, you know, it's easier to see. And I, I think the problem, the reason that this is a problem is that most of us are basically can only be trusted to be loyal to ourselves. I mean, there are areas where we venture out there and we're loyal in some many areas, but the one we know that we can depend upon is loyalty to ourselves. So as the message wi- winds down, I want to just maybe try to figure out where does disloyalty begin? Where does it get its roots? I think, I think uh, Jesus was hinting at something because... I'm going to suggest to you that all disloyalty is born out of a divided heart. A divided heart. He created you and me to show love and to um, have an ongoing, intimate relationship with us. He was, he was so loyalty, loyal to you and to me that while we were still messing around with life, while we were still carrying on, while we are still carrying on, he in advance planned to pay an awful price. He planned, he was so loyal and is so loyal to you and me that before I ever said, yes, God, I have faith in you. I believe, I know you came and it was for me. I opened my heart to you, Lord. Before I ever got to that place and I was a pill 
it's generous for me to call myself a pill. And I was a pill. God was loyal and he said, oh, I love that boy. I'm going to do some great things for him. I know his tomorrows. I'm going to order his steps. I've got plans. I love his future. I have hope for him. I love this guy. Faithful, faithful, loyal God. And he remains loyal to us today. There was, um, there was, there was a guy trying to trip Jesus up with some great questions. And uh, he says to Jesus, what's the most important commandment? I mean, figuring that if he could get him to select one, that he's now disregarded the rest. So here's a point, you know, we'll, we'll cause some dividing here. And you see, he says, hey, Jesus, what was the uh, most important? And, and here's the thing. God asked for all of our hearts, all of it. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength. He wants all of our hearts. Now, this is the part of the message I wasn't looking forward to because <laughs> you know, I can't speak for you. And tragically, I can only speak of this about me. I wish I could tell you the Lord has all of my heart. Tragically, he doesn't. I mean, I'd like to tell you that he does. I pray that he would. But if I look at the way I live, I have to acknowledge that there are places and times where I have a divided heart, where it's just divided. And I think if, if, if many of you were just really totally, brutally honest privately with yourself, you might reach a similar conclusion. And if you look at your heart and you say, yeah, there are areas that my heart's a little divided. I know he'll forgive me, but yeah, it, it's divided right now. And if you stop there, if that's all you ever do, if that's as far as you ever go, you will never, ever actually get to a unified heart with the Lord. I, I really believe, and I've been praying about this. You know, I was working on this message on the airplane, going and coming and in between, and, and um, had my headphones on, and they're canceling the noise, and I'm trying to you know, be with the Lord in the airplane and they keep bringing me cashews. Thank you for the cashews. But I really felt like there was something stirring that the Holy Spirit is going to be doing some encountering today. Loving, the loving kind, not the condemning kind. That's never the Holy Spirit, right? We, we know that here. There is therefore now no condemnation. But something of conviction, something that the Holy Spirit would be stirring in you to bring you to the place of closer and closer with the Lord. And I know that, you know, we have developed a pretty good skill at being able to shake things. You know, I, that wet dog thing. All right. <laughs> Eric, that's twice. Thanks for laughing again. But it, so we get good at shaking off and repelling, you know, the wetness of the Spirit sometimes, I'm just praying that that doesn't work for you today. I'm just praying that the things that the Holy Spirit would be signaling your soul about loyalty become systemically infecting to you in a good way and start bringing life and oxygen and nutrients and vitamins to the places of your soul that they haven't been for a long time. 
James 4, verses 8 and 9 say this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Imagine the power of that. You choose to come close to God and the creator of the universe moves towards you personally only because you've made a motion towards God. Do you realize the power of that? I don't. I just know it's something massive. It's a massive thing that you nudge towards God and the creator goes, wow, Terry's coming towards me. I'm moving over there. I don't want to miss this. This is big. The closer I get to Terry, the more of my power gets upon him. The closer I get to Terry, the more of hope gets down in his soul. The closer I get to Terry, the more hope he carries with him. The more miraculous things will happen in his life and those around him. This is a big deal. Okay. I leapt off there. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I'm going to read that again. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. You know, mourning and repentance, the division in our hearts, the stuff that can't get done in our lives by any other human being can only happen because of your own hearts get released and triggered and motivated in that way. God's been so perfectly faithful to us. And, you know, sometimes our lives just say, okay, well, God, here's your part. And a little bit for you and a little bit for me so I can have my stuff. Or um, a little bit for God. And then I just want what I want. <laughs> I'm just talking about me, by the way. Okay, this is, this is, this is what I'm confronted with. I want to be loyal, God, so long as it works for me. You know, remember these promises you made me, so I'm going to do my part. Now get over here and do your part. You know, I'm sure that's not you, but it's me sometimes. So I don't know where you go from here. I mean, it's personal. Some of you probably have to go to a spouse or to a parent and say, hey, I'm, um, I- I'm going to probably mess this the way I say this, but my heart's right, and I just need you to know this. I've not been as loyal to you as I really, really needed to be, or as much I want to be. I'm just a weak human being. I've made these mistakes, but I love you and I want to be loyal to you. Forgive me. Or maybe you've got friends and, um, you know, you need to be wise about this, by the way. There's no sense in setting off a bomb. The point here is to put a fire out. All right? So be wise about this. But some of you probably have a friend that you need to go to and say, you know what? I look backwards and I saw all the times that I needed you and you were standing behind me. And I look at all the times that you needed me and I think sometimes I wasn't there for you and I am so sorry. You deserve better and I love you and I want to be through the power of the word of God and through the convicting strength of God, I want to be a better friend to you, a more loyal friend. Maybe some of you um, need to think this same way about you know, the church. I mean, I suppose it could be, you know, I, I'm very grateful for this body, by the way. I think you are a terrific church and I think you are a faithful, friendly group of people and many of you realize that you are the church. But there are some people who still just think they go to church. To church. Like it's a place you go or it's a thing you do. Um, <laughs> I've been in ministry for a while and I have this memory of um, this, this young girl. She was mentally handicapped, very simple-minded, Loving heart. And this was a couple of senior pastors ago that I served on his team. Uh, it happened to be with Ron Long. And um, this, this, this girl would come to church. 
And she would see Pastor Ron, and she didn't know him as Pastor Ron. Hi, church. <laughs> She'd see him in the grocery store. Hey, mommy, there's church. And so she called him church everywhere all the time. Church. Do you remember that? It's profoundly powerful. Very childlike, correct thinking. Correct theology. He's the church, not the pastor. The people are the church. You are the church. Some of you still think you go to church. When you realize you are church, loyalty becomes a different issue. And the power of the Holy Spirit can just get in you and use you and become effective because the church that you are, another way of describing you, is the bride whom Jesus died to give birth to. Now, there's a lot of metaphors. Figure that one out. You can figure that one out later. Some of you, one last category, have maybe maybe a little miserable, aching feeling going on in here that maybe your disloyalty has been not to your spouse, not to your friends, not to your church, but to the Creator, to God. Oh, God, I've been disloyal to you. And the scripture we just read just gives us permission. It says it's good for us to ache and to be brokenhearted about that. I don't want you walking out of here feeling condemned. But when you realize that your disloyalty has been to the Creator, it's good sometimes. It's, 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 every, it's a good thing every now and then to say, Oh, Lord, cleanse me. Change me by the power of your word and by your loving hand. God, I'm a candidate for that today. I am a candidate for that today, Lord. Because I recognize that loyalty is a problem in our culture. And it's a little bit of a problem in me too. With the help of the power of God and the Holy Spirit, I will not have a divided heart. Let's pray. Let's pray and I'll get you out the door. The good news is that even when we mess up, he is still faithful and ready and waiting for us. Ready for us to come back and seek him with all of our heart. The good news is that with sincere grieving repentance that maybe circulates in our souls. We just get a little bit closer to the Lord. So Lord, we acknowledge that disloyalty is a problem in our culture today. I pray, God, that um, you would help us when we look into a mirror that we don't do what, what is our nature, and that's to look on the outside while you look upon the heart. Help us, God, to see down in there not so that we can feel bad about ourselves, but so that we can feel good about what you're changing us into. So that we can own our imperfections that are failing to be overcome, that we can be changed by your hand, your grace, your perfect love. We thank you, Lord, that your forgiveness is real and that it's powerful. And God, help us have the same kind of forgiveness that you have towards us. Help us have that same thing when we look around us and we see people that have maybe been disloyal to us personally, that, that have hurt us. I keep your eyes closed. I just want to talk. I just have a sense that I'm talking to some people here who have really been hurt by some other people, maybe abused by a father sexually, maybe ripped off financially by someone you put all of your trust into. Um, I don't want to minimize the pain of those things. I know they're here in this room. And uh, I'm not suggesting that you position yourself to continually be slaughtered 
But start with being loyal to God. Start there. God, I just pray about those circumstances that I've tried to describe and I ask for a visit of your hand upon hearts. That Lord, where there is brokenheartedness here, that circumstances make it impossible for us to intellectually deal with. I pray, Lord, for the peace that goes beyond our understanding. I ask you to sweep into circumstances, Lord, with healing on your wings, with hope, with fullness, Lord. I pray, God, for the blessing of your life to be what drives our hearts, God. And, Lord, for people that are hurt by the disloyalty of others, I pray, Lord, for uh, something of of forgiveness to to build up in, in those moments. I just... Keep your eyes closed, please, church. I also want to um, give um, the issue of repentance an opportunity. If you know that the Lord is speaking to you this moment about wanting to grow your loyalty, your quality of character of loyalty, put your hand up and down real quick. Just give him a sign right now, quickly. Good, good. Lord, you saw, you saw. So God, I just love the scripture that says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Thank you, Lord, for the power and the profound picture there. In Jesus' name, amen.